Welcome to A Server's Journey with Rocky DeStefano. Foundation of the program is everyone is leading something or someone, and thus the name of the program is A Server's Journey. I'm going to let Gabby say hello first, and I got her name right, so that's a start. Yeah, Gabby and Gary are both here. Yes, they're <laughs> in the audience. A girl with a split personality, I love hey, it. Hey, you know, I actually, my wife and I saw a documentary called Crazy, Not Insane. And it was about serial murders and uh, a 40-year study where they think a lot of them had that cognitive disassociation, which is basically the ability to be two okay. people. I have done a lot of research oh, no. on that, actually. And there's actually a big issue in that community where they feel so stig- they have such a stigma against them of being crazy and, and murderers and, you know, in horror films, like the movie Split, for example, representing right. them. Right. And um, I have done it honestly is the most fascinating thing it's, to me. I would agree that with it. You can go through the, the human mind is just blow it's crazy i mean it you can go through a trauma and your mind is like okay this is too much too much for you to handle i'm going to compartmentalize it as a separate consciousness right and you're going to be this other consciousness and only deal with that issue when you're in this conscious like yeah your no, brain, it's, it's, your your, your brain changes I mean, because it's just it, yeah, insane. yeah. It, it was really interesting uh, movie. In fact, Larry um, Ted Bundy, yes, named his, and and he didn't say he was a split personality. He did not think he was, but he named the character that came over him. Oh, when, really? When he when he murdered the women. Oh, wow. There's an incredible. Uh, story on this woman who is an artist and she has disassociative identity disorder which is the new term for it Mm -hmm. right yeah and um she went through extreme trauma as a young child and she has many personalities and she discovered art and painting as a way to kind of let her personalities be themselves and express themselves. And it's insane. Like she's like, okay, this is Donna's work, for example. Mm. And it's an entirely different established. Like I could never do these two different types of art. And she can't. Well, Well, and she does like five or six. Some of them, she says like are written. There's different languages. And she's like, I don't know this language. I, it's, I think it's Hebrew, maybe. One of them only paints about like the abuse she went through. One of them always paints mothers with children because that's like how she compartmentalizes that type of feeling. It's just there's so much that we don't know, and it, it blows my mind. Anyway, I'm done with that. No, tangent. I mean, we are three minutes in, and folks, we're down the rabbit hole, but <laughs> it's a super exciting uh um, topic and it has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today, Larry. Which is well, we're going to continue our series on influential leaders through history. Yeah, today. we're. I'm honestly very excited about this person, and I think Larry, you're going to kind of lead this discussion. But what it's one of my favorite leaders of all time. Well, today we're going to be talking about the man who was elected four times. The the only the, the only man, yes, elected yes. four times as president of the United States. Right. In fact, after. Uh, that happened, they changed the rules forever. Yeah, we need to get that one changed. Yeah. But first, 
Hey, this goes out to our Servers Journey community. As always, you can click the links in the descriptions to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and a new thing, or you can become a supporter of the show on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to exclusive content, behind-the-scenes material, receive a Servers Journey community sticker, and a shout-out on the show. So, as always, help us to create leaders worth following. Well, as I mentioned today, we're continuing our series of influential leaders through history. And as I said, we're going to be talking about the man who was elected four times the president of the United States, which is a miracle in itself. But as Rocky pointed out, we changed that rule at that point. Yeah, they did. I think afterwards there was a big, uh, you know, I think maybe it was necessary for that time. Well, yeah. And and that's one of the things we're going to be talking about. I'm going to be talking about the, the warriors But uh, what we're looking at here is the criteria of leadership competence from five groups that we talked about before that was put together by Sonny Giles, Dr. Sonny Giles, who's the president of Quantum Leadership Group. And those those characteristics were strong ethics and safety, self-organization, efficient learning, nurtures growth, and connecting and belonging. Well, yeah, and we've talked about those on the previous episodes in the series from MLK through Lincoln and Churchill, Washington, George Washington. Yeah. And so I want you to be listening for some of these characteristics in, in FDR as well. Right. So tell me a little bit about the president. Where did he start? So, uh, he was born, it looks like on January 30th, 1882. Um, he was, uh, grew up as an only child in an upper middle class family in Hyde Park, New York. He graduated from Harvard in 1904 and later received a degree from Columbia Law School. In 1905, he married his influential first lady, Eleanor. Uh, She had a... a, a, She was a niece. That's right. But but she had a a nickname too, didn't she? What did they call her? Lady Bird? No, that was Johnson. Okay, so I'm wrong. Lady Bird Johnson. I'm just going to stop. But yeah, yeah, but Eleanor actually was a niece of Theodore Roosevelt and a distant cousin. Uh, Roosevelt's early involvement in politics included a seat in the New York State Senate um, and the role of Woodrow Wilson's Assistant Secretary of the Navy during World War II. In 1920... That would be World War I, I believe. World War I, thank you. Yes, Yes, thank thank you. you, In 1920, Roosevelt ran for vice president on the unsuccessful Democratic ticket against Warren G. Harding. He served as governor of New York from 1929 to 1932, uh, during which time he tested out various programs to help the needy um, that would later kind of become the backbone of his New Deal uh, social and economic policy. Um, Roosevelt's personal appeal and a platform based on Wilsonian policies of a strong federal role in boosting industry and the public welfare led to his election as the 32nd president of the United States in 1933. So that's where I'm going to just start by using some of the information that I gleaned from a radio program called From Stateside okay. that aired on the UK 1940s radio station. And I want to thank Jay Lawrence for producing this information. That's right. And who's Jay Lawrence? He's uh, he'd a pretty be good a, guy, right? He'd be a friend of mine. Yeah. All right. Maybe an alter ego. That's where, that's the connection. Happy. 
Happy Days Are Here Again was written in 1929 and was used in the 1930 film Chasing Rainbows. Today, the song is probably best remembered as the campaign song for Franklin Roosevelt's successful 1932 presidential campaign. The song selection debuted at the 1932 Democrat convention by accident. The man who introduced Roosevelt delivered such a bland speech, he walked off the stage to the original chosen song, Anchors Away. Roosevelt's political advisors were so upset by the awful performance that they demanded a new song be played before the candidate's speech. They selected Happy Days Are Here Again, making Roosevelt the first president to pick a pre-existing song for his campaign and handing the Democratic Party of the United States their unofficial theme song for years to come. FDR was first elected President of the United States in the 1932 election. Most importantly, the voice of FDR gave hope to the nation. My friends, this is a day of national consecration, and I am certain that on this day my fellow Americans expect that on my induction into the presidency, I will address them with a candor and a decision which the present situation of our people impels. This great nation will endure as it has endured, will revive and will prosper. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. President Roosevelt's inauguration was March 4, 1933. It occurred in the middle of a bank panic, hence the backdrop for those famous words. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The next day, he declared a bank holiday and called for a special session of Congress. In 1933, President Roosevelt used the radio to communicate with fireside chats. My friends, I want to talk for a few minutes with the people of the United States about banking. To talk with the comparatively few who understand the mechanics of banking, but more particularly with the overwhelming majority of you who use banks for the making of deposits and the drawing of checks. I want to tell you what has been done in the last few days and why it was done and what the next steps are going to be. I recognize that the many proclamations from state capitals and from Washington, the legislation, the treasury regulations and so forth, couched for the most part in banking and legal terms, ought to be explained for the benefit of the average citizen. I owe this in particular because of the fortitude and the good temper with which everybody has accepted the inconvenience and the hardships of the banking holiday. 
And I know that when you understand what we in Washington have been about, I shall continue to have your cooperation as fully as I have had your sympathy and your help during the past week that has dictated our course, even though all our processes may not have seemed clear to them. After all, there is an element in the readjustment of our financial system more important than currency, more important than gold, and that is the confidence of the people themselves. Confidence and courage are the essentials of success in carrying out our plan. You people must have faith. You must not be stampeded by rumors or guesses. Let us unite in banishing fear. We have provided the machinery to restore our financial system, and it is up to you to support and make it work. It is your problem, my friends, your problem no less than it is mine. Together, we cannot fail. Utilizing the criteria of leadership competence, you could see that President Roosevelt immediately went to communicating with all of his citizens via radio. And then he also knew the value of a Disney cartoon. Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf is a popular song written in 1933 for a Walt Disney cartoon called The Three Little Pigs. With some encouragement from President Roosevelt, he called the cartoon his favorite film. It became the unofficial anthem of the Great Depression a way for people to thumb their noses at the dire state of the economy. Don't take no time to play, time to play, time to play. All he does is work all day. You can play and laugh and fiddle. Don't think you can make me sore. I'll be safe and you'll be sorry when the wolf comes to your door. President Roosevelt was re-elected for his second term. When the chief executive of the nation, who has just been re-elected by such an overwhelming popular tribute, declares himself ready to proceed on his path with humility and patience, surely that is an answer to those who have feared that democracy might suffer under this administration. And so, he declared in his final words that we are going to continue along the way the people have chosen to advance. 
Franklin D. Roosevelt in this address has been true to himself. He has emphasized again the thought and the purpose that dominated his first administration, and he has emphasized it in a way with a sympathetic understanding of the problem that I feel sure will find a responsive echo in the hearts and minds of those millions of Americans who listened to him this morning. I return you now to Master Control. So President Roosevelt was nurturing the country via fireside chats. He was also helping them learn about what was happening. He was communicating with the country. Not only was Charlie Chaplin thinking of war, but President Roosevelt watches Germany invade Poland and then start World War II. While the U.S. remained neutral, President Roosevelt does try to make American aid available to the Allied powers. My fellow Americans, the Navy Department of the United States has reported to me that on the morning of September 4th, the United States destroyer Greer, proceeding in full daylight toward Iceland, had reached a point southeast of Greenland. She was carrying American mail to Iceland. She was flying the American flag. Her identity as an American ship was unmistakable. She was then and there attacked by a submarine. Germany admits that it was a German submarine. The sole responsibility rests upon Germany. There will be no shooting unless Germany continues to seek it. I have no illusions about the gravity of this step. I have not taken it hurriedly or lightly. It is the result of months and months of constant thought and anxiety and prayer. In the protection of your nation and mine, it cannot be avoided. The American people have faced other grave crises in their history. With American courage, with American resolution, they will do no less today. They know the actualities of the attacks upon us. They know the necessities of a bold defense against these attacks. They know that the times call for clear heads and fearless hearts. And with that inner strength that comes to a free people conscious of their duty, consciousness conscious of the righteousness of what they do, they will, with divine help and guidance, stand their ground against this latest assault upon their democracy, their sovereignty, and their freedom. And in 1940, FDR made a decision to run for a third term. Carlton Bourne edits the news. Good evening, everybody. For months past, there has been a contest of wits between the President of the United States and the Washington reporters. They have sought to make him tell what he intends to do about a third term. He has sought by banter, persiflage, clever answer, smiles, and occasional silence not to tell him. How long can that battle of wits go on without somebody losing his temper? In 1940, FDR was re-elected for the third term. In 1941, 
FDR signs the Lend-Lease Bill to aid nations at war with Germany and Italy, but on December 7th, Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, bringing the United States into the war. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The attack yesterday on the Hawaiian Islands has caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. As Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy, I have directed that all measures be taken for our defense, no matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion. The American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. I believe that I interpret the will of the Congress and of the people when I assert that we will not only defend ourselves to the uttermost, but will make it very certain that this form of treachery shall never again endanger us. There is no blinking at the fact that our people, our territory, and our interests are in grave danger. With confidence in our armed forces, with the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God. 1944, President Roosevelt is running a fourth time. Election Eve, 1944. Ladies and gentlemen, as we sit quietly this evening in our home at Hyde Park, our thoughts, like those of millions of other Americans, are most deeply concerned with the well-being of all our American fighting men. We are thinking of our own sons, all of them far away from home, and of our neighbors' sons and the sons of our friends. That concern rises above all others in this critical period of our national life, in great contrast to the quiet which is ours here in America. In our own secure homes is the knowledge that most of those fighting men of ours have no quiet time and little leisure at this hour to reflect on the significance of our American Election Day tomorrow. Some are standing at battle stations on shipboard, tense in the excitement of action. Some lie in wet foxholes or trudge doggedly through the sticky mud, firing as they go. Still others are high above the earth, fighting Messerschmitts or Zeros. All of them are giving everything they've got to defeat our enemies. And uppermost in all their minds is the one thought to win the war as soon as possible so that they may return to the quiet and peace of their own home. But 
in the midst of fighting, in the presence of our brutal enemies, our soldiers and sailors and airmen will not forget Election Day back home. Millions of these men have already cast their own ballots, and they will be wondering about the outcome of the election and what it will mean to them in their future lives. And sooner or later, all of them will be asking questions as to whether the folks back home looked after their interests, their liberties, their government, their country, while they themselves were off at war. Enable us to guard for the least among us the freedom we covet for ourselves. Make us ill-content with the inequalities of opportunity which still prevail among us. Preserve our union against all the divisions of race and class which threaten it. And now, may the blessing of God Almighty rest upon the whole land. May he give us light to guide us, courage to support us, charity to unite us, now and forevermore. Amen. 1944 again. The country is on a positive note. It looks like the end of World War II is coming to a close, as President Roosevelt has led the nation all this time from 1932. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin from CBS World News. A press association has just announced that President Roosevelt is dead. The president died of a cerebral hemorrhage. All we know so far is that the president died at Warm Springs in Georgia. speaking from the mutual studios in New York City. This nation has suffered this day a staggering loss. At this moment at Warm Springs, Georgia, President Franklin D. Roosevelt lies with the problem of the nation finally lifted from his shoulders, stricken late this afternoon with cerebral hemorrhage. He passed away before his physicians could be of any assistance, if assistance in such a case is possible at all. Vice President Harry Truman, who from here on will be President Truman, went immediately to the White House. A special cabinet meeting was called, and we should know more about what is going to happen in Washington as the evening wears on. But Franklin D. Roosevelt, the first president to be elected for four terms in the White House, has passed away, and that is the overshadowing of all news events that have happened or can happen for quite a while. President Roosevelt had led the nation from the Great Depression through World War II. Paralyzed from the waist down after suffering a bout of polio, Roosevelt overcame his disabilities and was elected President of the United States an unprecedented four times. And now just 
just coming past the treasury, I can see the horses drawing the case on. And most generally, folks having as tough a time as I am trying to see it. And behind us, behind us is the car bearing the man on whose shoulders now falls the terrific burdens and responsibilities that were handled so well by the men to whose body we're paying our last respects now. God bless him, President Truman. We return you now to the studio. From Stateside, I'm Jay Lawrence. Thanks for listening. All right, we want to thank Jay Lawrence uh, for that insight into President Roosevelt. Larry, the one thing I don't think you mentioned is that, and this is kind of a, a very important part of his life too, I think it shaped him, but in 1921, uh, 21, at the age of 39, um, Roosevelt contracted a rare incidence of adult polio. Boy, and that was a, that was a real crisis back then. So many yeah. people were getting that. Polio was where they had to deal with it with the iron lungs some, is that yes, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. But he actually lost the use of his legs, and although his disability was not a secret to the public, um, his administration had a had an agreement with photographers that they would avoid snapping images of the president being carried by assistants or using a wheelchair. Yeah, man, things have changed. But you know that used to happen in uh, sports too. They would kind of keep some of the stuff hidden. Wow, and you know his son would always be with him by his side. <laughs> and and he you could see him kind of holding on because he was really his son was holding him up as he walked and he always had braces on yeah. so he was carrying pounds of you know right uh, right wow and during that era you know the public still considered paraplegics crippled or weak um, which is a stereotype that Roosevelt fought throughout his presidency, which was a long presidency. I mean, the longest, I'm right? Talking, and that's crazy <laughs> yeah. to think about. Sixteen years. Um, but he was known for his sense of humor and his optimism um, in the face of adversity. And it was perhaps his own personal challenges that allowed him to appreciate the struggles of others. In 1938, Roosevelt founded the March of Dimes to raise funds for polio research See, and re rehabilitation. I, I did not know that, that he uh, actually he was created the March of Dimes. Yeah. I didn't either. The, you probably weren't around. But when I was a kid, they used to pass out a folder that you'd yeah, put, you'd dimes put dimes in. in. Yeah, no, I, I, I actually remember that. Yeah. 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 Well, we, we can see that he had strong ethics. He was looking out for people's safety. He was self, a self-organizer. I mean, the things he brought forth because he's a president. Uh, he, he was a good learner. He liked to learn along the way. Mm -hmm. And he certainly nurtured growth in the country. I mean, right. people listened to him on the radio. Right. And that was very important. Yep. And yeah, I, and I think, you know, he, uh, one of his greatest was he was able to uh, lead with optimism. Like he was able to paint a picture um, for Americans, even through some of the darkest days of World War II. Yes. So. Yeah, for sure. What is that? You've watched New Girl, right? So, you know, the, sh the game they play, True American? Yes. In the beginning, they shout something, something, FDR. What is, I'm looking it up. Yeah, no, I don't know if I remember that, but I know that. There's lots of things you could chat about FDR. Hold on. Okay. Larry, have you ever watched the show New Girl? No. You know Zoe is that Deschanel? A, is that a Netflix? Or? I think it's on Netflix, yeah. Do you know uh, Elf? Have you ever seen Elf? 
You mean the, the Christmas? Christmas? Yeah. 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 So the young lady, the blonde? No, I don't. Okay. I've uh, seen you know, the, the show, one, but. Yeah. She sings. She's the love interest of uh, uh, Will Ferrell. Elf, yeah. Yeah. She's um, the main person okay. in that show. I'll have to look that up so. because I need I need something this weekend to keep me busy. Is it an oh. episode? episode? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you yes. shot JFK, FDR, and that's the oh. beginning of okay. <laughs> the <Fine>. game. <laughs> Well, Larry, that just came to my mind. Yeah, but. you know, just well, like the alter egos. All right. Yeah. Thanks to ACS Creative for developing our website, aservicejourney.com. So when it comes to creating a website, it pays to go to the pros. That's why we went to ACS Creative. They do brochures, logos, direct mail, ad campaigns, and websites. They don't play games with your money. Contact ACS Creative on the internet at acscreative.com. So, Rocky, until next time, I am your ever-faithful companion, Larry. And uh, Gabby. Gary. Gary, thank you for being part of the show, as always. Notice Gary has a big line there. I know, I saw that, right? What is Gary's Mm -hmm. line? I didn't see. It's a big line. Yeah, it's for pause for silence. Pause. Is that what it is? Pause for silence? Well, (laughs) Gary, thank you for that pause. And uh, as always, we want to thank you guys for listening and joining us every week. And as always, we want to remind you to be somebody worth following.